How many, how many can say with an amen, I, I want the presence of God in my life? Amen. Yeah. You know, there are... Uh, there have been those from the Roman Catholic period uh, up until to even today who practice a thing called self-flagellation. Anybody know what that is? <laughs> yeah. they, 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 they inflict uh, pain and they inflict harm upon their own bodies and attempts to get close to God. We even see that even today in the Philippines. They'll do this ritual thing every year. And there will be some that will go through the whole crucifixion process, some even to the point of being crucified, trying to appease God. Can you think of that? Isn't that that amazing? Trying to get closer to God. Trying to know the presence of God. You know, I've got good news tonight. Getting close to God does not include inflicting harm on yourself. We don't don't believe in that. The Bible doesn't teach that type of uh, a lifestyle of asceticism. It doesn't teach that at all. There are those throughout the Roman Catholic period uh, that you know they would they would become monks. They, there was one I forget his name who lived his life on the top of a pole. There are some that go into caves and and all sorts of things trying to gain trying to gain favor of God. But you know what? Our favor with God is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, I'm glad for that, aren't you? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. But you know, as we finish up the book of Exodus, we've got about one more, one more uh, message. Well, two more we have tonight to finish up, Lord willing, into chapter into chapter forty. And then I want to bring one more message to kind of tie everything together with the life of Moses here and in Exodus. But as we kind of finish up Exodus, the narrative closes out tonight with the completion of the tabernacle and the presence of God. God's presence there amongst Israel. And so we're going to do a quick overview of how we got here and how it applies to us tonight. And we know that God wanted a tabernacle. It was God's idea to build the tabernacle just as it was God's idea to create man. He came up with it. It was His idea. And because it was His idea, uh, it doesn't really matter why He did it. He just wanted it done. Right? It doesn't matter why God made us. It doesn't matter why He created us. Those questions don't, don't matter at all. We're here. What does it matter? Just understand, the God who created us had a purpose and a design for the creation and for us being born. And He had a purpose and a design for the tabernacle. He had a reason for it. And God's tabernacle was to be built His way. It was to be built His way, as you know. We can see also the, the same thing with the with the human body, and God created our human body expressly to live on this planet Earth. Our eyes were created to see a specific spectrum within red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple. We can't see above that naturally into the uh, into the ultraviolet areas. We can't see below that into the infrared areas. Our human eyes. We can only see within the a certain color of spectrum that our eyes were created to see. God made us that way for a purpose. And specific, He made us lungs to breathe air. He made us with skin that has its own purposes. He made us with a stomach that can digest uh, food and certain foods and, and uh, all of the nutrients. Think about this. All of the nutrients that we need are found on this planet. 
Could you imagine if for some reason we just existed out of this big bang and there's these elements out there that we came from that aren't on this planet and here we are, It's uh, we just have uh, this meager survival, this miserable existence because there's nutrients that we're missing that we can't have. No, everything here on the planet, God has, God has made us and everything on this planet can sustain us. He made us this way on purpose. He had an idea of what He was doing. He had a specific purpose and a design for us. Same thing goes with the tabernacle. Same thing with the tabernacle. God designed it specifically. I think we could, we've seen this over the last uh, however many months we've been in the book of Exodus, but it's an w- incredible mirror of the human body, the tabernacle is. With the outer layers of skin, the inner skeleton, the layers of skin in itself, and, the, and our layers of skin. And as we get into the tabernacle, the, 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 the material becomes more and more intricate and, and delicate and soft, and we see the intri- intricate details within our own human body, all pointing to that holy of holies, all going to the heart of the body, where God dwells in the heart. Beautiful picture that God made here with the tabernacle. It was to be be a picture of God's future relationship with man and to illustrate in detail the purpose of God in Jesus Christ. So God's tabernacle was to be built His way. But thirdly, the thing I noticed was the tabernacle was a type and a picture. I kind of already hit on this a little bit. But because it was a type and a picture, it had to be built exactly right. Could you imagine building something uh, that looked like a car and saying, uh, this, is, uh, this is a tree? <laughs> it's like, well, you're not really good at making stuff. And notice all of the, you know, all of the pictures in this tree. You know, it's got leaves. It's like, no, it doesn't. It has windows. And it's got branches. No, it has tires. You know, this is ridiculous. This doesn't look anything like what you're trying to illustrate. No, God, God created the, the tabernacle in a very, He wanted the tabernacle built, I should say, in a very specific way because it was a type and a picture that He was trying to give to Israel. And so here we see this type in the picture. Uh, we could you go back to Exodus chapter twenty-five through ch- chapter thirty-one, where God gives the instruction manual to Moses uh, to build the tabernacle. He actually gave it to him in written form, and this is what it's supposed to look like, and this is what's supposed to be in it, and this is the dimensions of it. I mean, to the to the minutest detail, God was concerned with how that tabernacle was to be constructed. Also, you're going to find in Exodus 25, the building fund. And we talked about this last Sunday night and and looking forward even in here at Calvary Baptist Church of starting our own building fund because we're moving ahead here and uh, and trying to look at ways that uh, how God... Uh, how last week we saw how Israel uh, brought what they could. Each individual brought what they had and what they could. And and I just heard somebody this week just told me that they're thinking about getting a, just a, a small side job so they can have some money to give to the building program. That's wonderful. That's what, you know, God will give you something to do. God, you know, I told Judy the other day, I said, you can build quilts and sell them, Judy. You're good at building quilts. She loves building quilts. You know, there's stuff that everybody can do, right? And here God in Exodus 25, he started a building fund because it costs money to fulfill the will of God. 
It cost, I, I know we don't like that, but it costs money to fulfill the will of God. They had to build this tabernacle. We have to, we have to send out missionaries and we have buildings to meet in. We have all sorts of things. And I know, yes, we can meet out in the trees. I get it. That's fine. But boy, this sure is conducive to listening to the preaching rather than sitting under the rain or watching for animals or listening to cars drive by. It's kind of nice to get out of the quiet to focus on the Word of God, isn't it? And it costs money to do it. Absolutely. Exodus 25 through 27, we saw the actual blueprints that God gave. Now, they weren't really blueprints. They were rock, whatever color rock is on the, however God wrote it down. Yeah. But we saw the actual, the blueprints in Exodus 25 through 27. In Exodus 28 through 29, he got into the office of the priest for Aaron and his sons. They had specific clothing they had to wear. I mean, we're not spending time to get all into a lot of this detail because we would really get bogged down in it. But he had, Aaron had specific clothing. He had specific order of how that clothing was to be worn and, and what layers upon what layers. There's the execution of his office, how he was supposed to, Aaron was supposed to, uh, execute the office of, of the priest. There was a bathing process. Well, as he came into the tabernacle, he had to wash and clean himself before he put on the clothing. And, how, and there were specifics for Aaron, how he went, went into the tabernacle, how he came out of the tabernacle. There is there's specifics on the exact way every offering was to be uh, was to be offered and the exact time of some of the certain offerings of, say, the Passover and the daily offerings. There is all this detail that pertained unto Aaron. And, and then, and then, uh, you, you get into the, to the altar. The altar inside, it's construction and the dimensions of the altar and the overlaying of gold and the way it was to be carried and where it was placed in the tabernacle and, and the specific incense that was supposed to be burned on it every day. And so you, that's in Exodus 30. And also in Exodus 30, you're going to see the offering to fund the service of the tabernacle. And it cost money to keep that thing rolling. And they, they had a money that they were to bring. Every Israelite had a little bit of money that they were to bring to fund the tabernacle. And then the brass laver to wash. That brass laver. They could, you know, they could die if Aaron could die if he went into the tabernacle unclean. Well, that's serious. Yeah. That, that's serious stuff. Why? 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 Think about it. Why? Why? Why, why was the cleanliness so important? The saying, cleanliness is next to godliness. Why was cleanliness so important here? Because the picture of the tabernacle is the holiness of God. This is where God dwells. God is of pure eyes and behold evil and can't not look upon sin. Listen, there can be nothing unclean in the presence of God. And the, the illustration God was showing here, that where God dwells is cleanly. It's, it's clean, it's holy, it's pure. And then he talks about specific oils and perfumes. This is exhausting, isn't it? Trying to keep track of all of this. Haven't even gotten into Leviticus and the dietary. We're not going to. (laughs) You're welcome. In the dietary laws. Haven't got into how all of the different sacrifices and how they're supposed to be done. Specifics on every single one of them. It, it, is, it is overwhelming to think about what they had to keep track of on a daily basis. No, it, the word is exhausting. I, I'll say it again. Exhausting. And I think it was supposed to be. I think God intended it that way. The labor and the work. Because you know why? Serving God in the flesh is exhausting. 
You ever tried that? You ever tried just just wearing yourself out for something God didn't even ask for? you just beating yourself to death and you get to the end of it and you're like, wow. Could have spent probably a little more time just praying. <laughs> and done it, in the, done it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I remember listening to a guy, a professor in college, talked about uh, he had a he had limited limited time, and he had a he had a, a message he had to write. And he said, "Boy, I just didn't have to." He goes, "I just got down. I just prayed to God. I need to fill me with the Holy Spirit. I, I just need I just need you to to help me write this." And he said, "Boy, I sat down. About thirty minutes later, I had this whole thing done. I got up. I thought, wow, that was easy. <laughs> yeah." No, no, this was exhausting here. Exodus 25 through 27, all the blueprints, all of this stuff that we see, all the way down to verse chapter 35 and 36. Chapters 35 and 36, the project, now it's actually going to begin. Now it's going to begin. So if the tabernacle is never constructed, everything that God gave them doesn't matter at all. You know, God just didn't. God just didn't give them a blueprint and an outline to hang up and say, "Oh, see, that's the nature of God." Isn't that neat? Isn't that neat what God likes? God likes people clean. Isn't that nice? God, God likes sacrifice. God likes good smelling oils. All right, ladies. God likes oils. He likes essential oils. Right? <laughs> yeah. My, I, I'm sorry. My wife's not here to pick on, so I'm going to pick on you. So, yeah, yeah. I, essential oils. God likes them. Yeah, the incense, all of that stuff. You could look at the, they could have just pinned these things up on a wall somewhere and said, isn't this wonderful what God likes? I think we do this with the Word of God sometimes, don't we? We pin it up, we put verses on our wall, we do all this thing. Isn't it wonderful what God likes? And it never makes it to action anywhere. No, it's pointless if it never makes it into our life. It's pointless if it never makes James one twenty two. be doers of the Word and not hearers only. What happens when you're doers of the word and not hearers only? You heap unto yourself deception. You begin to become self-deceived. Uh, that you, maybe, maybe you're just right with God and you realize, no, you're not. You're just you're not doing what He's told you to do. So then we see in Exodus 39 and 40, Exodus 39 through 40 is actually is, is like a diary. It's like a log of the actual construction of the tabernacle. I believe it was. Uh, Oh, which one built uh, the uh, the breakers in Newport, Rhode Island? I don't know if it was Vander, if it was Carnegie or Vanderbilt. One of those uh, great titans of the, the of that era built the breakers mansion. It had, I, if I remember right, I've gone through it a couple times. If I remember right, there was something like twenty million dollars in nineteen twenty terms, in nineteen twenty money, twenty million dollars worth of African purple marble, just marble. This thing, this house is. In, it was a summer cottage. <laughs> you know, front doors were something in the in the vicinity of twenty or twenty five feet tall. It was insane, insane. This place, and they said he kept no record of his expenses. It was normal to keep a log of of the whole building process and what was involved. He didn't even write it down. There was so much money spent, he never wrote it down. And you know what happened? He, I don't think I think I don't think he ever lived in the house. I think he died before just before it was done. But here we have in Exodus 39 and 40, kind of like a diary of the whole building process. It's going on. It's be, it's going along. They're taking a log of it. And notice in Exodus chapter 40 and verse 16. I don't know why I'm in Deuteronomy. Exodus chapter 40. 
in verse 16. The Bible says, Thus did Moses, according to all that the Lord commanded him, so did he. Nothing was missed. Nothing was missed. God said He did it all. They built the tabernacle exactly how God designed it to be built. You know what happens next? Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 and 35. God shows up. The presence of God. Look at verse 34. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Oh, God showed up. God showed up. How was was God able to show up? Why, Why did God show up now? Because the tabernacle was just right. The tabernacle was put together just exactly how God intended it to be put together. And He was able to show up. You know, we're wrapping things up here in Exodus. I want to give you a few thoughts here about the tabernacle. Everything about the tabernacle was visible and experiential. It was not spiritual by any means. It was physical. This was a physical tabernacle. They could see it. They could touch it. They could smell it. They saw the cloud by day. They saw the fire by night. They heard the animals waiting to be slaughtered. Have you ever thought of that? Now, I don't know how much noise a slaughtered animal makes. Maybe maybe uh, the, the throat gets cut and they can't make a noise. Because it gives it. I don't know, but I know this. They, they heard the animals. They were, they were kept out there. They're, they're, listen, everything about, no, here's what I'm saying. Everything about the tabernacle was experiential. It was visible. It could be seen. Everything about it was material. And, the, and it was always there. It was always there. It was always visible. It was in the wilderness even until, even until they came into the land and up until David and Solomon. The tabernacle was there. You couldn't go anywhere in the camp without knowing where it was. You could see it. Why? Because of the presence of the cloud, of God in the cloud by day and the fire by night. At a friend of mine, he works with me. He's another sign painter artist. And I was giving him directions to my house over to Marionville when we lived over there. And he said, well, I'll just, I'll just look for the pillar of, pillar of fire and I'll follow it over there. You know, <laughs> I was like, you goober. That's <laughs> just, see those charismatics, they got bad theology. <laughs> Everything about the tabernacle was to be prepared precisely as God commanded it. And there was no room for personal input. Well, what if we make the angels like this? Well, what if we use... What if we, wouldn't it be nice if instead of the purple and the scarlet, let's, let's use a nice brown with an orange overtone. I, that would look really nice. Brown and orange, it might have been the early 70s of their day. And brown, orange, and olive green might have been perfect, you know? Yeah, Martin's like, I missed that, brother. That was good. No, that was that was never good. It was never good. <laughs> yeah. No, there was no room for personal input. Oh, we like gold. Does it have to be gold? 
Let's lay, let, let's do a couple. Let's do some filigree of silver in there. That'd look really nice. Wouldn't that be nice? A brass laver, brass type of judgment. Like brass laver, where we go clean up. Nah, let's let's make this one out of uh, poplar. <laughs> yeah, just a wood bay. No, there was. I, mean, I don't mean it's silly, but there's no there was no uh, there was no room for input for him. It was to be uh, put exactly and designed exactly, built exactly how God wanted it to build. And until everything was exactly right, until everything was exactly in its place, the presence of God was not going to show up. Everything had to be right. And, and we, now, now watch this. We know that the tabernacle is a type and a picture of the human body. I, real, I, I, think, that's, I, I think it is. And we know that because of Jesus Christ, God now tabernacles with us by His Holy Spirit, doesn't He? He dwells in us. Every born-again believer, every born-again child of God is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, and we know that He cannot leave. Is that right? Oh, I hope. Amen. Well, thank you. I mean, that was that was that was one hundred and one. I wasn't dropping any deep theology here tonight. The Holy Spirit of God cannot leave us. We are saved. We are sealed into the day of redemption. Right? Amen. All right. Ooh, that was a little better. What is the difference then between? The indwelling of God and the presence of God. What is the difference between the between the indwelling Spirit of God and the presence of God? Is there? Is it possible to have the indwelling Spirit of God and not the presence of God? I want you to notice something in chapter thirty-nine. Would you please? Exodus chapter 39. Look at verses 42 and 43. The very last two verses. The Bible says, And to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel made all the work. And Moses did not, I'm sorry, and Moses did look upon all the work, and behold, they had done it as the Lord had commanded even so had they done it, and Moses blessed them. Moses and the children of Israel prepared the tabernacle exactly how God commanded it to be. Now watch this, please. When the tabernacle was exactly how God wanted it, His presence was unmistakable. No, when the tabernacle was exactly right, when it was completely finished, when it was done exactly how God wanted it to do, God showed up. Amen. Not any time before. When it was all together, when it was all right, that's when God showed up. So it brings me to ask, what about our own tabernacle? I mean, just a little bit ago, I mean... Many of you in here, I think all of you in here said uh, you desired the presence of God in your life. You enjoyed the presence of God in your life. Well, what about the presence of God in our life? What about our own tabernacle? What about our own body of where the Spirit of God dwells? Listen to 1 Corinthians three sixteen through 17 Know ye not that you, ye are the temple of God? 
He tabernacles in us today and with us today. Ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you, in, in you are in your physical, literal body. God is living in you. He's there. He's like, in here? Yeah, He's in there. He's there. You're just as physical and just as, as, as material and just as experiential as the tabernacle was. And God dwells in you just like He dwells in the, dwells in the, in the tabernacle. He dwells in us. Listen to this. If any man defile the temple of God, he's talking about the body, the physical body, our human body, him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy. The temple of your body, my body, your body is holy before God. Which he said, look at this, which temple ye are. Remember all the washing that Aaron had to do? Why did he have to get clean? Because nothing unclean could be in the presence of God. What would have happened if Aaron had gone in there unclean? Well, he would have died. <laughs> it would have hindered the presence of God. And Paul says here to the Corinthians that, that if any man defiled the temple of God, we belong to the right? We're bought with a price. We're not our own. He, we, we, are, we belong to God. In this body, this physical body, our hands, our eyes, our ears, our mouth, our feet, they all, be, they all belong to God. Yeah. And we defile this temple. God said He'll destroy it. You know, it's sad. There's, there's some people that go to their grave awful early. No, they're indwelt by the Spirit of God, but they've defiled the temple. They've defiled the temple through tobacco and drugs and alcohol and things like that. Oh, they may be saved, but they've defiled it and they've died early. I remember, I remember listening to um, uh, Oliver B. Green. Oliver B. Green, he said, I, I will never live. I will never live. To be an old man. That's how he talked. <laughs> he goes, I will never leave. He goes, I did not honor my mother and my father. He died at 62. Yep. Oh, he had a way of opening up a wound and pouring salt in it, didn't he? <laughs> he, could just, he could get right to it. He said, I'll never live to be an old man. I did not honor my father and my mother. Wow. No, there's ways that we, we defile the temple. There's a ways that we defile the, 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 the physical temple of God where He dwells. 1 Corinthians 6.19 What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Yeah. No, we, 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 we don't have a choice of what we watch and what we listen to and where we go and what we do. We don't have that choice. God has that choice. You know, the Bible says, the, you realize 85% of what we take in is through the eye gate. 85% of the information that we take in is through the eyes. And the Bible says that if the eye be dark, the whole body is darkness. Do you realize the, the, the filth that we take into our, our, our eyes will, willingly defiles the entire body? Yeah. Oh, it's just not, oh, well, yeah, I shouldn't have saw that, shouldn't have watched that. No, no, it just, it, it, it affects the entire body, the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 16, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Still talking about our physical bodies. For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I dwell in them, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. There's this Chinese restaurant in, in Republic that uh, Sherry just refuses to go to because of the Buddhas, the, the big fat Buddha they have sitting in there, you know. Yeah. And uh, 
I'd hate to discourage that in her. No, really. I mean, seriously. Yeah, she just doesn't want to be around idols. <laughs> I understand we are all the time, and I understand, you know what, Paul said, what, you eat in the shambles, don't ask, you know, just that you can eat with a good conscience. But, but there's, an, uh, there's an aspect there of uh, she just wanted to be around that idolatry like that. Christians doing yoga. How did that come up? Where did that come up? Oh, yeah, your body's a temple. Do you know those yoga, that yoga is just all, all, all worship positions, a lot of those? Yeah. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols and idolatry? You're the temple of the living God. God dwells in you, Christian. He dwells in us. And He's declared our body as holy. Why? Because the holy God dwells there. No, Jesus has taken away our sin, past, present, future. We are, we are right. We are justified before God. As God looks at us, at the, in the, if we were standing before the courts of heaven and God would look at us, all He would see was the record of Jesus Christ as our record. Everything's gone, which made it possible for God to dwell in us as a holy God. But it's possible that we can defile the temple of our flesh and His presence not his position, not his indwelling, but his presence goes far away. Why? Because he can't sit there. Yeah. If you ever get a chance to read the book called uh, um, <laughs> Now i got to remember it. I think it's called The Calvary Road by Roy Hessen. One of the most life-changing books you can read. It's a, and it's a convicting book. Sometimes I just don't even want to pick it up. <laughs> but boy, it is a powerful, powerful book on our life in Christ and, and uh, what sin does in the life of the believer to put up a veil, to put up a curtain between us and God. So we defile the temple and God's presence that we're longing for, is not there. The closeness and the fellowship that we desire is gone. The glory of God that the world should be seeing in us is gone. The fruit of the Spirit is quenched. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I may have already mentioned it once before. I forget what I say now, so I'll just... Hopefully you forgot what I've said, and I'll forget what I say, and I can just keep on right on going. It'll be all right, right? But you know you cannot glorify God in secret. It's not possible. To glorify means to put on display. To put on display the attributes of somebody else. Can, can you put on, the display of that, of the, uh, put on display the attributes of God in your life in secret? People that say, well, I don't wear my religion on my sleeve. It's a personal thing. It's an inner thing. I, I do it in the quietness of my own heart. And Well, that's not glorifying. It's not possible. No, the evidence of an indwelling Christ is seen on the outside as well. <laughs> he's, if he's going to be glorified, if he's going to be, if the attributes of God are going to be put out for the world to see, they've got to be seen. And they've got to be seen in our life. You know what I believe? I believe for the past 20 years, preachers have been so quick to soothe the conscience of their people by telling them that, though, you're, you're not under the law anymore, you're under grace, that they've allowed their people to walk away from holiness and, and thus. They've just distinguished the presence of God in their life. 
They've done a great disservice. I remember this was very popular. Well, that's your preference. Now, don't preach preferences. We, we don't want to preach preferences. We just want to preach Bible. Yeah. We've got some of the most carnal believers on the planet today. No, there's some Christians in other parts of the world that probably might not let some of us join their church. <laughs> yeah. So now, now you know what we're doing today? We're just kind of wringing our hands, kind of clamoring about, trying to figure out what happened to America, how to get so bad. How did we get here? Well, I'll tell you how we got here. Children of God ran from holiness and they lost the presence of God. And the world looking on saw nothing else, nothing different. I know, I'm thankful it's not everybody. I know that. But if this was continued to have been preached 20 years ago, 25 years ago, maybe it wouldn't be where we are today, huh? It's not a full-out endorsement of Leonard Ravenhill, but he had a great quote here when he said, You can have all of your doctrine right, yet still not have the presence of God. Hmm. Why is that? You know, you know what that is? That's just take, take, taking the blueprints of God and just putting them on the wall. There we got them. There's what God says. <laughs> no, they have to come into action eventually. They have to come be a part of your life in reality. A.W. Tozer said, We cannot enter into the presence of God while we are rebelling against God. That's what Oswald Chambers says. Having the reality of God's presence is not dependent on our being in a particular circumstance or place, but it is only dependent on our determination to keep the Lord before us continually. Do you know how all three of these men are alike? None of them are independent fundamental Baptists. <laughs> and they had a grasp of the holiness of God. Yeah. So let, me, let me give you a question tonight. Okay, wrap, wrap this thing up. How have you taken care of your tabernacle? How have you taken care of it? No, these questions affect me as much as they affect you. I know the I know the culture that we're living in. I know the society that we're living. In. I know that what's that? Are you know driving down the road that that's there? I know what's at the fingertips. I know what's uh, left out to be read or to be said. It's all it's all out in the open now, isn't it? Yeah. But what have you allowed through the eye gate? Eighty-five percent of the you, you know you want to talk about changing the thinking of your mind. Eighty-five percent of what we comes into our comes into uh, our information comes in from our eyes, from our eyes. What have you allowed into the eye? What have you allowed into the hearing? What have you allowed into your thinking? You know, the, these are three things that affect your heart, that affect my heart. And when our heart has been affected, it becomes impossible to make di- biblical decisions. Because really, truth be told, we just don't want to anymore. I heard somebody say this. The, the, the problem with, with the repetition of sin, of the same sin over and over, the problem with it isn't, isn't that God won't forgive us again. The problem with it is, is when we get to the place where we just don't want to be forgiven anymore. Yeah. 
You know, I think I think I think there there may be a few in the room tonight. Probably just need to throw up the white flag of surrender to the will of God, and just be done with it, and just fling yourself on Him totally, and just trust Him. Just trust Him. I was working with my grandfather one day, and uh, there was uh, he would have been good building the tabernacle because there was only one way to do everything, and that was Wilbur Eccles' way. And it was usually right, though. I mean, it was right. But man, he was he was a uh, he was the quintessential German. <laughs> uh, he built an outhouse once, got a spite when he was about ninety years old, and he, he trimmed about a sixteenth of an inch off of a, of a piece of plywood because it, it just hung down a little too much. I went, Paul, it's an outhouse. <laughs> Didn't care. He just kept right. That thing was perfect. Yeah, it was perfect. I was working with him one time out in the backyard, and he was, he was, he, I mean, he'd tell you how to shovel. He'd tell you how to put your foot on the shovel and get the best out of it. He'd, he, if you mowed the yard, uh, that was a mistake when I was a kid out at the farm, I'd want to mow the yard. And he'd say, well, you got to pull up to the blackberries, and then you back up. And then you pull up to the next row, the next row of blackberries, and you back up. And then you go around the right of the blackberries, and when you get to that tree, you go around this way, and then you go down the fence line. I'm serious. I am serious. Every, he had a way to do absolutely everything. And he'd walk by you, by the, by the lawnmower while you did it. You, you know why I'm so weird now? Yeah. I inherited it. Yeah. And he'd walk through. Everything had to be done right. And it would be a little bit of contention every once in a while. And of course, as I got older, and I'm here I am, I think at the time I was this 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 thing dawned on me finally, and we were in the backyard, I was shoveling because he decided at 90 years old to dig around the whole back of his house so he could coat it with some tar because too much water was getting in. And he accomplished it, he got it done. But I was helping him dig one time. He goes, No, you put your foot over here and you dig on the shovel. He yelled about everything. And you dig on the shovel that way. And and I'm I'm like, oh, it doesn't really matter, you know. And something just hit me one day, and I thought, you know what? He's been on the on the planet 67 years longer than I have. Maybe I ought to just listen to him. Boy, we got along better after that. <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you something? Without any disrespect, God's been around a lot longer than you and I have. Maybe I ought to just listen to him, huh? We need His presence. The world needs us to need His presence. Do you want it tonight? Do you want the presence of God in your life? Why don't you find First Thessalonians chapter 4 and let's stand and we'll finish by reading these few verses. First Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to stand and we'll read these and we'll be, we'll be closed in prayer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Bible says, Furthermore then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. Pleasing God helps us to abound more and more. Know you not what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus? For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. God wants it. The will of God is our sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel 
your physical body, in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, here it is, but unto holiness. Holiness. When everything in the tabernacle was right, meaning when it was just exactly how God wanted it, He showed up. You know how He's going to show up in our life? by In His presence? When our own tabernacle is exactly in tune how He wants it. We're not talking about justification. We're talking about holiness. We're talking about how we live our life in front of this world and in the face of God. I want His presence. God has reminded me in this message. He has burdened me again in my own personal life for the presence and the holiness of God and the holiness in my own life. I pray you do the same for you. And Father, we want to thank you tonight. God, You are holy. We thank You that our Father, our Heavenly Father, is holy. There will never be one thing ever found wrong with You. Ever. For You are holy. And Lord, You have made us, You have built us, You have fashioned us. We've been marred by sin. But because of Jesus, we've been justified. We've been made right with You. And we stand before you tonight with the record of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Lord, you've taught us tonight that we live in this flesh. And we live in this body. This body that you indwell. And Lord, you've commanded us. You've commanded us, Father, to be holy. Lord, would you renew within us again, not only, especially a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, And in that hunger and thirst for righteousness, just that desire for holiness. Not arrogance. Not uh, not any sense of just uh, of of this this weird self, uh, wrong view of self, and and, uh, uh, I'm a I'm better than you type of an individual. But that we just seek to a simple life of obedience in every aspect of our life. That we would be careful of what we allow into the eyes, what we allow into the ears, what we allow into the heart and in the mind. Lord, that we would be holy vessels unto You. And God, that we would know Your presence again. And Lord, that the world that looks around, I'm sure all of the, the world that when Israel went through the wilderness and came into the land... Oh, they all, all, all of the non-Israelites, they saw the tabernacle. They saw the cloud. They saw the fire. I wonder if the world at all sees it in us anymore. Lord, would you help us tonight? Would you help us in Jesus' name? Amen, amen. Well, the invitation is open. The altars are open. However, God has led in you tonight. Do you want the presence of God tonight? Do you long for the presence of God? Maybe you could just come tonight. Would you come tonight and just tell God, I, 
Lord, whatever it is, would you put a finger on it? If there's something that's, that's hindering your presence in my life, would you just show me? Would you just show me? Let's close up in a word of prayer and then we'll take about two minutes or so and we'll do some business here and then we'll, we'll uh, go to the house. Brother Allen, would you uh, close us in a word of prayer tonight? Amen, amen. All right, well, just a couple minutes. I've got to run to the office, get a couple things, and then we'll have a, have a meeting. <laughs>